Shabbat Shalom, everyone. So, uh, you know, I, I've, been, I've been thinking uh, about what it means to be uh, a person of the kingdom who lives in, in the power of the kingdom. And uh, sometimes I think we sell ourselves short in what is what has been given to us as people of God. We sort of allow the, the normalcy and the regularity of life to just take us over and think that there are no alternatives to the way things have always been for everybody. Instead of recognizing that as the children of God, we've been given gifts that if only we recognize we can take full advantage of. And I, again, I, for the last few weeks, I've been harping on a particular theme of uh, a sense of, I don't know, unease in our country, in the world, with all the bad things that are happening on top of all of our regular, just everyday miseries. And it can all get us terribly down and feel hopeless, feel like there's nothing we can do about it, and that we're just destined to be miserable. <laughs> and uh, I want to categorically tell us to reject that kind of thinking. And I want to uh, give you a couple of examples from the scriptures of those who found themselves in difficult and desperate situations and yet found the way to victory. And uh, I want to start us off with a psalm. This one comes from Psalm 61. So I've entitled this message, The Peace in the Storm, because, my goodness, it sounds feels like a storm every day, right? Get up in the morning, and the first thing you hear is what went wrong somewhere. Peace in the storm. And so King David wrote Psalm 61, and I want to just share the first few verses of it and allow it to really sink into our hearts the meaning of it all. So if I'll flash it up there, if I can ever get these bloody things to work. And it's now turned off, so. Do I have any help up there, guys? Why don't you guys just like flip that? Thank you. There you go. I hope you can read that. You know, it always looks good on my computer. I never know what it's going to look like when you look at when you guys see it on the screen up there, though. But I'll read that for you. It says, Hear my cry, O God. Give heed to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. This is a psalm of victory of David. Confidence in the protection of God. And just so you know that it comes out of, not doesn't come merely from the poet's heart, but rather from experience. 
I want to relate an episode in the life of David. You can find this in the second, uh, in First Samuel, excuse me, chapter uh, 30. So you may recall, if you're a, a buff of uh, the story of David like I am, um, that David was on the run for most of the early part of his life from King Saul. King Saul wanted him dead. He felt that he was a threat, and indeed he was. And so David went into the wilderness, and he gathered around him uh, a group of mercenary guys, fellows who also felt disenfranchised by that particular administration. And they formed a little band of marauders, really. And uh, they were mercenaries and would fight for, you know, money. Whoever, whoever was on their side, they were building up a coalition ultimately, which would result in David coming to power at another time. But this incident occurs at some point before that, and it tells us that David and his men came to Ziklag, a portion in the Negev, and the Amalekites, who are the sworn enemies of the Jewish people, uh, raided his camp while David and his men were on a raiding party of their own. So all the men were gone. Only those women and children were left at the camp. And the Amalekites came and took everything and everybody away. When the men came home, they, man, they freaked out. What in the world are we going to do? All of our women, our children, everything that we have is gone. So you can imagine how everyone was feeling. David, he, he had two of his wives, his children. They were gone along with everybody else. And on top of it all, on top of his own personal loss and what that must have felt like, that his whole life was gone, all the men who had lost their wives and children were blaming David for the misery that they had just caused. It was his fault. Can you imagine the pressure, the, the pain that David was feeling at that moment? He had his own personal grief to deal with and had to deal then with the grief of every other person in the room. I mean, were there women and children dead already? Were there wives and kids already dead? What to do? That would throw any one of us into mass confusion. Can you imagine your own brain? I can only imagine what that feels like. Your brain swirling around, your heart down in your throat. Nothing to do but cry. And sometimes we feel that way. When we feel all this loss, all we know how to do is cry. But it says something here in this portion, which I think I want to focus on. It says in verse 6 of chapter 30, it says, Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered each one because of his own sons and his daughters. It says, but then David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. 
He strengthened himself in the Lord. You see, this is, what, this is where the enemy wins eight times out of ten. Instead of running to the Lord in those moments when we need him the most, that's when we wind up shutting him out. The confusion of the mind, the ache of the soul, shuts, does something to us that shuts God out. When in fact the very opposite is the cure. And David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Who knows, he went off alone by himself and prayed to the Lord for hope and for an answer. Hear my cry, O God. Give heed to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And David followed his own advice. He strengthened himself in the Lord. And then it says, Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the sons of Ahimelech, Please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And you shall surely rescue them all. David was able to listen to, he listened to the Lord. So the first thing is we need to focus on God. Listen, I'm going to give you some instructions here. I hope you'll follow them. It's bloody. This thing doesn't work. How about it, bro? Come on. Killing me. Yeah, but this is complicated. If I don't have this thing working, it's like... It's green. So first we need to focus on the Lord. I want you to remember these things. Because sometimes I'm, I'm asked, well, how, Rabbi, how do I do that? What, do I, what am I supposed to do? I know what you're saying, but what am I supposed to do? I'm telling you now. First we need to focus on the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then it says, he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord told him something. And David listened to the, Lord, to the voice of God. He inquired of the Lord. Listen, I know it's, you know, in the Bible it's so cool how David can pray and, and God can give him an answer. And they talk. they like having a cool conversation with one another. And that, that doesn't always happen with us, obviously. I mean, it's been rare when I've audibly heard the voice of God, I have to tell you. But I know when the Lord is speaking to me, because he speaks to me through 99 times out of 100 through the word itself. Because nothing is new under the sun, brothers and sisters, nothing. No misery, no pain, no problem, no worry. Nothing is new. And so our sages tell us, turn the scriptures over and over because everything is in it. He listened to the Lord his God. And the Lord said to him, pursue them because you will overtake them. Now listen, these guys have been gone for who knows how long. Their children and 
wives all gone for how long? And where did they go? I'm supposed to pursue them? It's like finding a needle in a haystack. But he did something else. He not only listened to the voice of God, he did a third thing that you have to do. And that is follow his instructions. You know, whenever I counsel people, I've done lots of that over the, over the years. I always tell people, listen, I am not a scientist, I am not a psychologist, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert in everything in the world. So how are we going to fix this problem? We're going to look, listen to what God has to say, and we're going to do it. And if we do it, and I will tell you this right now, if we do it, things will get better. Every single time. 100% of the time. God will not fail us. If we're willing to do things his way, we win. And you have that at your beck and call because you are the children of God. But how often? <laughs> I'll sit with folks. We'll go over it. It says do this, do this, do this. And they do this, but not this and not that. And then they wonder why the result doesn't work out. And then they want to blame God because something didn't, happen, didn't work out. Well, he told you to do this, this, and this. If you did it, you'd be in better shape. So we have to focus on the Lord. Listen to the Lord. And then we follow his instructions. So the rest of this story, of course, is David pursued them. He and 400 of his men. 200, it tells us 200 stay behind because they were exhausted. They didn't, couldn't manage it or whatever. Yeah, you need to keep somebody with the uh, baggage anyway, don't you? And they found them. And they retrieved their, hus their, their sons and daughters and their wives, all of their children and all of their cattle. Everything was recovered with interest on top because they took everything on the Amalekites, of course. So, first, focus on the Lord. Next, listen to the Lord. Then follow his instructions. Because in the midst of the storm, the Lord will strengthen us. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's where your strength comes from, friends. It's not going to come from some other source. Somebody else is going to help you. You know, I was thinking about something last night. Whenever you consider all the problems that the world is facing today, countries against countries and so on, what is the major problem? The major problem is that I have to take as much as I can because if I don't take it for myself, who will get it for me? We've been sold a bill of goods by the evil one that we live in a world of limited good. And we do not. This is a lie. This is a lie straight from the evil one. The, the Lord did not make an inadequate planet. 
It has everything needed for everyone. And even a little more for the more ambitious if they want it. But here's the problem. Since we all don't believe that, we all feel the need to go after as much of what we can get as possible. If that means I take a little from you, that fills me up because, you know, the world is a zero-sum game. And it is not. It's the cause of every strife, every problem in the world. When we feel that God, if I were to give some, something more to you than you give to me, if I think of you as more important than me, can I trust the Lord to make it up to me? Because he has infinite supply. And the answer is, of course he can. We need to listen, we need to focus, we need to listen, we need to follow. And the Lord will strengthen us. A second incident, of course, was from last week's Haftar portion. You may remember that Elijah was being pursued by Jezebel. He ran into the desert completely exhausted at the end of his rope. A voice came to him, a still, small voice in the midst of all of his storm. In the midst of all of his storm from 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, when Elijah heard that still, small voice, he wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? And Elijah listened to the voice. The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you've arrived, you will anoint Hazael king over Aram. So he focused on the Lord. See, he couldn't focus in the storm. It was killing him. An earthquake, a fire, and the voice of God is not in those things. In the storm, we cannot hear the voice of God. There's too much noise. But when we focus our mind and our heart on God, then we hear that still, small voice that speaks truth to us. And it tells us what we need to hear. And so God gave him instructions. Anoint king, Hazael king. And Jehu, son of Nimshi, you'll appoint king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Abel Meiloah, you shall appoint as prophet in your place. And after that, you can take off, bro. You see, it all became clear to him. So not only did he focus on the Lord, he listened to the voice of the Lord. And then he followed those instructions. You see, if you just listen, but you don't do, don't expect anything to happen. You know, if I told any one of you, hey, listen, you know, the Bible has all these marvelous things in it for you, read it. How many of you will read it? Most. But then when it comes to doing what will you do? 
of the priorities of your own life and your own ambition, your own way, get in the way of the truth. And don't be surprised if you get stuck in the desert. No, Elijah listened. And then he followed those instructions to the letter. And goodbye, Jezebel. All of his worries were gone. So, we need to focus again. I'm going to keep yelling these words. This is what teachers do. So that you can get, I can give you a quiz at the end of the day. You'll know these three words. Focus and listen and follow. When we do, and in the midst of the storm, he will feed us, just as he fed Elijah. One last little story. This one from, I think it was actually, it might have been our our, 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 our from last week, but even if it was, so whether it was or not, it's not a problem. From Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, the Messiah has just finished uh, preaching to a group of people. He sent his disciples out ahead of him. And they were crossing the Sea of Galilee. And the Galilee is this unique uh, body of water, actually, because storms blow up on it all the time. And uh, I mean, you can be, it can be calm as, uh, calm as anything one moment, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're in the midst of a storm. In the middle of the night... As they were, uh, as they were crossing the uh, the lake, they were wondering how the Messiah was going to get over to the other side. Well, he was walking alongside the boat. That's a trick. So it says, uh, "Let's see. This is beginning in verse 22." So he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him onto the other side when, while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. The boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walk on the sea, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Immediately, Yeshua spoke to them, saying, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Focus on me. I'm watching you. says, Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said, all right, come on. And Peter got out of the boat and walked in the water. Why? Because Peter was watching Yeshua. He was focused on him. He could walk in the midst of that storm because his eyes were focused on God. When we're in the midst of the storm, where do we turn? What are we looking at? Are we looking at the problem or the solution? Goes on and says, 
But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. What happened to him? He saw all the waves all around him. And he lost his focus. And that's what happens to us when we get scared. We lose our focus. We lose our center. The circumstances haven't changed any more than they were a minute ago. But where does our heart go? Where do our eyes, where does our mind drift to? If we stay focused on God, we need not fear. So it says, but at least he had the sense, the common sense, Peter, to cry out, Lord, save me. To focus himself back on Yeshua. And it says, and he said, it says, immediately Yeshua stretched out his hand and took him, took hold of him, and he said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? My doubt. If we focus on the Lord, if we listen to him, and if we follow his instructions, he will take us by the hand. He will take us by the hand and lead us to still green pastures. You want a successful life. Not a life without pain. Not a life without suffering. Not a life without troubles. Because I know it doesn't work like that. But a successful life. A life of hope. A life of sturdiness. A life of peace. That we need to learn how to focus on the Lord. Listen to his voice. And then follow his instructions. When we do, he'll strengthen us, feed us, and lead us. So remember the words of the of the psalm. When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul who described the rock in the desert leading the children of Israel. And he said, and the rock was Messiah. O Lord, our God, our Messiah and King Yeshua, help us to keep our focus on you. After whatever storm we may be experiencing in our lives at the moment, that if we can keep that focus, if we can keep our focus, if we can listen to your voice and heed your instructions, that we can be victorious in everything that we do. Give us the power and the strength to live as the children of God in victory and in hope.
in this world. And let us all say, Amen.